Alright, welcome back everyone. We're, uh, I think we're about here. The alcohol looks like a tornado. Alright, so we're going to kick off again with uh, the rest of step 9. And then we're going to smash into step 10 and 11. We're going to just touch a little bit on step 12. But we just, I'll just explain to you that there's 103 pages in the working parts of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Now, then there's, a, there's some more. There's another um, 66 pages, which is information. It's uh, to the wise, to the employer, and a vision for you. All good information, but it's not a part of the working of the 12th step. All right? So... For all of those who didn't know that, I didn't know it either at one stage. <laughs> so um, we're going to kick off now, and Andrew's going to read. We're on page 82. The alcoholic is like a tornado. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife he remarked, Don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Mm. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. Did everybody hear that? Please underline it. It is so important. People think they're going to get well overnight. John A. used to say it takes a steady hand to hold a full cup. Years of reconstruction for a body badly burned from alcohol. Don't expect too much too soon. Just start practicing to the best of your ability this simple program and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyse the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticise them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness and love. Okay, so there's a nine-step prayer, and he's telling you when to say that. Okay? Do, do you need to read it again? Every morning. Okay? We say, Creator, show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness and love. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. There you go. So we can't theorise it. See, it's not a knowledge-based program. It's an action-based program. A lot of people talk about the third step being a decision, okay? If the third step was just a decision, they would not have put a prayer there. A prayer is an action. The first action step in Alcoholics Anonymous is the third step. It's an action. It's the third step prayer. And if you're willing to say these prayers on a daily basis every morning, that'll give you a chance to connect to God and away from your alcoholism. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behaviour will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a sceptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, 
but we don't delay it if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development... Now, this is called the promises, okay? Now, if, if you haven't heard the promises before, the promises are placed after step nine. Here's where they start to come true. So listen up big, because this is exactly what happens in our life. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realise that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialise if we work for them. So it's telling you that they will always materialise. Bob Smith said it never fails. It will always, they will always materialise if you work for them. Does everybody want what that says there? I will tell you it's a guarantee. Bob Smith said it's a guarantee. Do this program and this is a guarantee. And we're going to, start, we're going to go to step 10 and I'm going to uh, walk you through step 10 very slowly, okay, because I want to show you a few things, all right? So this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory. Okay, so when did we take personal inventory? Step four. Step four, correct. Okay, so it's telling us we're going to continue to take personal inventory. We're going to, we're going to set right any new mistakes as we go along, right? All right. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past, right? So, he hasn't asked you to do not one step nine. Not one. He said here, and I'll read it again. Um, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So, we start living this way of life before you even do one step nine. Hence, when you do your step five with your sponsor, he should take you to step 10 and 11 that day because you're going to start practicing step 10 because what will happen is if you don't start practicing step 10, in one week you'll have 40 inventories <laughs> and you won't even know which one set the ball in motion. You will not know. You will not be able to put your finger on the problem. And that happens. And trust me, it happens. I'm not telling you this from any other reason, but i done it. Right? So as we cleaned up the past, as we start to do step nine, we're in step 10 and 11. We start practicing this way of life. Okay. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. So how long do I have to practice it for? A lifetime. A lifetime. Okay? So this is the practice that we do 
which stops us being restless, irritable and discontented with the world. This practice is a spiritual practice for alcoholics to overcome alcoholism and to be overcome the spiritual malady, the spiritual sickness. Okay, this is not an Continue to watch for selfishness, <coughs> dishonesty, resentment and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. When did we ask God to remove those defects? In what step? Right, so he's now said, write the inventory out. Right? Write the inventory exactly the same as you did in step four. Remember, I talked to you about this. And then he says, now do your seven-step prayer. I didn't tell you to do that. He told us to do that here. That's part of step 10. Now, why are we doing the seven-step prayer? Why? That's right, because we are relying on God, not our sponsor. Our sponsor's job is to lay the spiritual tools at your feet. Your job is to stay connected to your God. That's the job. My job, stay connected to God. Help others lay the spiritual tools at the next bloke's feet and just continue to do that. Okay. Okay, then it says we discuss them with someone immediately. Okay, so what step is that? Five. 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 Correct. Okay, so remember I talked to you about these, these um, five columns and that step five was on this piece of paper. Okay. Right? So when we ring our sponsor, we've written this down. Okay? We've asked God to remove the defect. We then ring our... It doesn't have to be your sponsor, by the way. It can be anyone. If you have to rely on your sponsor to do an inventory, you're in trouble. I'm telling you. You should be able to talk to eight, ten blokes, women, and say, have you got a minute? Can you imagine if we all did this, right? I'm going to... I go to a meeting... I run into old mate here. I say, mate, you got a minute? He goes, yeah. I say, I want to do a quick inventory with you. And he goes, yeah, sweet. Name, bang. Cause, bang. Effects, my, bang. My mistake was, bang. My defect was, blah, blah, blah. And he, he, if, he's, he'll know, if he knows what he's doing, he's going to say, how do you want to go and make amends to that? And I'll go, well, I'm not really sure. he say, well, why not on the way home get some flowers? box of chocolates, say you're sorry. Done. I'm squared away. Just like that. That's the common solution that he's talking about on which we can all agree. Right? That is the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. The common solution is the fellowship. They're all together. Okay. We discuss them with someone immediately. We make amends quickly. Now we've got to make amends quickly. So as soon as I get see how I did the inventory with someone and they're giving me the directions on the amends. Huh? doesn't matter if I'm 22 years sober and the guy I'm doing inventory with is six months sober. If he's done this process, right? if he's been through this process and I do inventory with him, I listen to his advice on the amends. Because he's not spirit, he's not connected to the problem. I am. He already knows. He's already he's listening to me, and he knows how to help me. 
Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone to him. Remember the GPS system? I wouldn't have gone to him in the first place if God didn't say, talk to this bloke. Right? I've got to keep listening. I've got to keep that GPS system connected. Okay. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Here's a promise. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. By this time, sanity will have returned. We will, sell, we will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, remembering in the beginning we didn't have that, did we? We didn't, we, we didn't have that God consciousness. We didn't have that. We were insane, right? We kept picking up a drink. Darren here, one of our blokes, new bloke, he kept picking up a drink. He's an alcoholic like me, right? Now he leaves here knowing this and he can act, react sanely and normally from today on because of the steps that he has in his life and the God that just went, right, we've got this, brother. We're on. You're awake. Now we've got to stay awake. And we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any, any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Who wants to feel like that when you go out? Of course. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, but alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really, ha what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Right. Now, remembering that we suffer from a spiritual malady, okay? A spiritual sickness can only be treated by spiritual actions. Keep going, mate. How can I best serve thee? This is the 10-step prayer. So if you want to write down this, I mean, mark it in the book. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. But we must go further and that means more action. So now, all through the day is our step 10. So whenever we're disturbed, right, remembering that there's something wrong with us, we can do this, right? It takes, I reckon I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. It takes less than two minutes to do this. I work with blokes that run their own business, do all kinds of stuff. They don't want, me on, they don't want to be on the phone long. They ring up, you've got a minute for a quick inventory, bang. It's over in two minutes and they're squared away. And I'll guarantee you, if you do this, it fixes that uncomfortable feeling immediately. 
All right? So we continue to practice it all, all through the day. All right? Okay. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. We must go further and that means more action. It must have been important because he read it twice. <laughs> That's <all> right. <laughs> Uh, exactly, yeah. it was important. <laughs> well done, mate. Yeah, it's good. We needed it. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works if we have a proper attitude and work at it. It would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. Okay, so this is going to tell you what to do when you retire at night. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Now, remembering that they're the defects, aren't they? Okay? So, if the answer is yes, then what do you think you've got to do? You've got to write an inventory out. Correct. And then, if it's late at night, you can share it with your closed mouth friend, sponsor, or friends tomorrow, unless you know someone's awake, you might be able to do it. <laughs> Do we owe an apology? Yeah, usually. Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking about what we could do for others? And what we could pack into the stream of life? We must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So that's step 11, okay? That's not step 10. That's step 11. So it's in a meditation. It's, we're asking God and ourselves, remembering that we're connected to the power. Okay, now it's going to tell you what to do in the morning. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest or self-seeking motives. So that's step 11 prayer, okay? So mark it as the step 11 prayer. That's what you're going to say in the morning. It's going to... So, so far you've got the third step, third step prayer, two four-step prayers, a fifth step prayer. You've got the sixth step, seventh step, nine step, ten step and eleven step. Everybody happy with that? So you've already got a heap of prayers. You can add as many as you want. Now, John A. used to say, it used to take me 15 to 20 minutes in the morning. Now it takes an hour and a half. Because what he did is he kept adding to the prayers. Because he like he, he might like this prayer. I like the 23rd Psalm. I got, 20, got, got sober on the 23rd. So I put that in my prayers. I like um, the prayer of St. Francis. I put that in my prayers. There's so many different prayers that you can use. It's absolutely, you know, and like I'm up to like 40, 40 minutes in the morning, you know, of prayer and meditation and readings. You know? Okay, where are we up to? Under these conditions. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. 
Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So now we're going to be able to use some of our thinking. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. So this is a step 11 prayer, so he's got another one in there. Okay, write it out. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. We can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorise a few set prayers which emphasise the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. Does anybody do that? Right. Let's, let's start doing that. See where religious people are right. Let's, and it says, the, any book, you can pick up any books, read whatever you like. I'll tell you what, it starts flooding. They start falling off the shelf and hitting you in the head. Right? <laughs> And I tell you, well, I, I got a sponsor in the US who I started helping in the early days and I could hardly read. And within, within a very short period of time of me starting to pray and practice what it says here, I was able to read. How does that happen? I went to sleep one night. This is a true story. I went to sleep one night and I woke up the next morning and when I was asleep, this light came through me. I, it was just unbelievable. And I woke up at absolute peace. I've never felt this peace before. And I jumped in my car and I drove around to this place called the Gnostic Forest. And I suffer from dyslexia, so I was always really shy to read and I was really... I, I couldn't read very well and didn't really understand the English language very well. So I drove around to this place and it was just on 9 o'clock. There was a lady sitting there with blonde hair and there was a lady just opening the door walking in. And I remember her name... <coughs> Her name was Mary. And I said, hello. And she said, hello, my name's Mary. And I said, hello, Mary, I'm Gary. And she said, come in. And walked inside to this, this spiritual place. And, she, and I said, to be honest with you, Mary, I don't know why I'm here. And she said, but I do. And I went, oh, okay. And she walked over and she pulled this book down and... Um, uh, what was the book called? It's just eluded me. Um, I can't remember the name of the book. But she gave me this book and I read it in two days. And then I met my sponsor 
And he said, why don't you get this book? And I bought that. I couldn't, I was like a sponge. I couldn't get enough into me. I just loved it. So be open to all this stuff, you know? No, it wasn't the way of the Peace of Warrior. That was a little bit afterwards. It was about, um, it was about these insights. Um, the Celestine Prophecy. Celestine Prophecy. It was a Celestine Prophecy. Unbelievable. I'd never read anything like it. But, but see, these, these things happen after that spiritual awakening, you know? And so don't be shut off. He's saying to you, don't be shut off from any of this stuff. Go out there and just enjoy all, you know, I like to, I like, the only time I read the Bible is when I was in a military prison, you know, because they gave me a Bible and some standing orders. But, you know, I, I like to read some of that stuff. It's unbelievable. I can't believe how advanced those people were. <laughs> okay, now it's going to tell you what to do when you get agitated. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. Does everybody want that? Yeah, yeah it's, and, and it's true. It really does happen. We do not tie so easily. We are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. Does that sound like the third step again? And now we're in 11. So 11 and 3 are married, aren't they? You know? Because it's prayer. It's prayer in three, it's trusting God in three, and it's the same in 11. The only difference is we're not going back to three because we're going to put three into 11. Now all the water's coming together, isn't it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. All in the one, how do I get to that? How do I get to that? So we just keep practicing 10 and 11 and the whole process is inside those two now because you know how to do the other nine, right? Those nine steps are in 10 and 11. That's how simple it is. So we just, and the practice is 10 and 11. And of course, 12, but we're going to get onto that in a minute. It works. It really does. We alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. Right. So how many people... I'll put up my hand here. There's been so many times when I haven't done my inventory when I should have, and I've suffered the consequences of it. How many? You, you know why? Those are bloody alcoholics, mate. This is what alcoholics do. You know, exactly. And it comes back. And it comes back. And the ego starts to dictate and tell us. So, so, so what is it? So what is it is that when I'm okay, right, when I'm all right and I see one of my friends floundering, I ask them the question, are you saying your prayers in the morning? If he says, and he'll be honest. If he's not honest, then he's in trouble. I'll know because you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Right? And, and he'll say, no, I haven't been doing my prayers. Mate, you've got to get back to the basics. We all do it. Have you done any inventory? No, I haven't been doing inventory. Have you been doing your meditation? 
you know. We got a bloke in our group that does huge quantities of meditation. If you ever feel like you need to do some meditation and you're not doing enough, talk to Rick. He will help you with meditation. You know, there's people far better at it than me. You know, so we, we go to those people and say, what, you know, what can I do? I'll do a very basic meditation of a morning, which is the Buddhist meditation, 10 minutes. And what I do is I sit there, I breathe, I sit on a Buddhist stool, I breathe, and every time I catch myself thinking, I go, thinking. That's all. I just go thinking. I don't try and work it out. I don't try and do anything. I just go, oh, thinking. And then I start to breathe again and try and get away from the thinking. And then I catch myself and I go, oh, thinking. <laughs> I don't try and work out what the thought is or why it's there. I just go, oh, thinking. My sponsor gave me a big sticker. It says you don't have to believe everything you think. <laughs> it's the truth. You don't have to believe everything that you think. And what happens is I do that day in, day out, and then I'm at the shopping centre and my mind gives me an idea and I go, ah, oh, thinking. <laughs> thinking. It's just thinking. That's all it is. And we learn and we learn and we grow and we help each other and we're all in this together. If you've been through the program of action out of this book, you're in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that you can help all of us. You can help me, I can help you. No big shots in Alcoholics Anonymous. One shot, we're all shot. Mm. Yesterday's rooster, tomorrow's feather duster. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because I don't know if it's going to be me in a... And I've been through some terrible things in, in these rooms where I've got blokes six months, 12 months sober saving my life because they know what to do and they know. They say, mate, are you, are you doing your imagery? Are you doing your prayer? Are you all right? You know? I had a terrible situation when I went to... Um, Perth and I had like eight guys go to Perth with me you know from all over Australia I was like bankrupt spiritually right I was doing the best I can I was just hanging on I didn't want to drink but things were happening in my life that were causing absolute turmoil and all of these guys come together and I was not on my own not even for t 10 minutes in that whole four days there was four or five guys with me the whole time don't you want that? They saved my life. I saved their life and they saved my life. That's what this is about. Let's get on to working with others. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. So what is the intensive work? Yeah, but what is it? What is the working with others? Correct. It's the, it's the book. Show them the tools. Lay the spiritual tools. That is the extensive work. Now, if you don't have the ability to do that, open a meeting. And if you don't have the ability to do that, hand pamphlets out. And if you don't have the ability to do that, there's, surely there's something. Just hang around long enough, there'll be a job for you. Do that. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. Carry this message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember they are very ill. Life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. 
Okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm not, we're not going to read the whole 12, 12 step. What we do suggest though is that you sit down with someone and you go through this chapter, okay, with someone. Just talk about it, read it. It tells you what to do, it tells you how to do it. You don't have to create anything, but we are going to touch on a few things. Okay, don't start off, don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer, okay? We're not doing that. What we, what we are doing is we're going to lay the spiritual tools at the feet of every alcoholic that wants it. If they don't want it, we're not going to do that. All right. So cooperate, never criticise at the bottom of page 89. To be helpful is our only aim. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. No, you, it's just you, you're just smashing your head up against the wall. And I learnt that the hard way. Someone told me carry the carry the message, not the alcoholic. You cannot carry the alcoholic. They have to they have to fall. They have to have their own rock bottoms. Okay, you may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for this family as well. Further down it says, if he says yes, then he's situated should draw on you, you're a person who has recovered. So you've got to tell him that you've recovered. None of this, I'm recovering. All right? Recovering, I'm recovering. I hear it all the time. Yeah, it's already told us probably 20 or 30 times that you've recovered. From a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, the main purpose of the book is show you precisely how to recover. Yes, you will never be cured of alcoholism. We know that. You can't cure the alcoholic of alcoholism. They will always have alcoholism, but you can recover from the mind. You can recover because if you can't recover, I wouldn't be 22 years sober. John up the back there certainly wouldn't be 40 years sober. The other John wouldn't be 40 years sober. And so on and so on and so on. Because I couldn't stop drinking for a day. So how did that happen? A power did that for me. And then I had to learn how to do this. All right, so it goes on to say, on page 91, see your man alone if possible. It's best to sit down with someone on, on their own. Take the book. All right. Tell him how, on page 92, tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you, ma you made to stop. Show him the mental twist. Remember, we talked about the mental twist, didn't we? The mental twist that the alcoholic has. You know, the strange mental twist. And if you don't know where it is, go back and find it in the book. I think it's page 33. Let's have a look. All right, see what it says. Um, I use this book here because I'm using two books at the moment. Trying to get, let's have a look. 42, no, strange mental twist. Is it on 33? Third paragraph. Third paragraph? Somebody read it out. This one, without if many of them can do it, it's because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already applied, will find it in the There you go. Yeah. See? And then, if, and then if you need to explain more, go back again into the doctor's opinion, 
into where he said, we're restless, irritable, discontented, without the ease and comfort that comes from the drink. Drinks we see others take with impunity. Remember, we watched the moderate and heavy drinker take drinks with impunity. And then we succumb to the drink, as so many of us do, to calm that irritable, restless and discontented feeling. And then we take the drink and then a phenomena of craving comes in. A phenomena is unexplained craving. We have an unexplained craving. We can't stop drinking. And we look like we're absolutely crazy. What is wrong with those people? And then we go through that cycle and we come out the other end with a firm resolution never to drink again. When I read that, I said, you know, I've been saying that for 20 years. Since I was 13, I'm never doing that again. Right? And as I got fitter, I was doing it quicker. Right? I'd say, I'm never doing that again. And we'd do a 10K run and I'd be back drinking water going, I can hardly wait for the boozer to open at 4 o'clock. Right? As I got fitter, I just couldn't stop. Okay. Right, where are we up to? 92. 92. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of the spree. Remember? Irritable, restless, discontented, without the ease and comfort that comes from the drink in the doctor's opinion. You tell an alcoholic, a new bloke that, or a new girl that, and they will go, who's been talking to you? That's me. We suggest you do this as we have done in the chapter on alcoholism. So there it is. It's the explanation that, that Rhonda just read out. It's already written there. If he is an alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. If you are satisfied that he's a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady, the sickness. Don't forget the malady is a sickness. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding the first drink prevents normal function of the willpower. Willpower will not solve the problem. Don't, don't at this stage refer to this book unless he has seen it and wishes to discuss it. So we're going to tell him about what's wrong with us. If someone walks into the room, you can tell them from the book. You can explain things from the book, what's wrong with you, right, that will give him the ability to go, yeah, that's me too. How did you know? It's in the book, mate. Come and I'll show you. Oh, my God. They love it. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady, a fatal sickness. I've never been to a fatal accident where I didn't put people in body bags. Never. Not once. Okay, at the bottom it says, though, even though your protege may not have entirely admitted his condition, he has become very curious to know how you got well. Let him ask you that question, if he will. Tell him exactly what happened. Has everybody found that? Um, happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. So it's telling us again, it's only the spiritual principles that are overcome. Down the bottom of this page, say, he may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. 
to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about that than you do. We turn over the page, page 94. And then it says, outline the program of action explaining how you made a self-appraisal. So what was the self-appraisal? Where's that? Step four. Step four. So, you, so he's telling you now to explain that to the new guy. That's the self-appraisal. Not what you think it is. It's not, that's, that's wrong. That's got to stop. You know, like John up the back there said to me a couple of days ago, he said, we should, have, we should be having this meeting at Blue Tongue. That's how many people should be sober. Since I've been here, that's how many people on the Central Coast had come through the room. There would be 20,000 people. Easy. Right? And yet they're not here. Right? Probably more. So it's telling us what to do. Explain how you made a self-appraisal at step four. How you straightened out your past at step nine, isn't it? So when you explain the step four, if you explain it the same way I explained it to you here, you, you will give him a good chance to go, oh, shit, that doesn't sound too hard. Because the first thing you look at when you see that is you see step four and you think, geez, I'm not doing that. That's the last thing I'll be doing. I'm not telling anyone anything about me. Because not because not just because we're oppositional, but because we have alcoholism. And it's a disease of the mind. It's a, and if you want to get even deeper, it's a disease of the ego. It's an ego deflation at depth is our only answer. And if you want to read some stuff about that, there's there's Dr. Um, Dr. Tibet. He writes an absolutely fantastic article. He's in the back of our big book, but he writes an absolutely fantastic article on alcoholism and the ego. Our ego is the problem. Okay. Straighten out your part and why you are now endeavouring to be helpful to him. And, you, and some of that is, the, you know, by me helping you, when I need some help, you may be there to help me, you know. It is important for him to realise that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Now, I've taken a thousand people through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, a few more now with today's little adventure. And I said to John R. when I first started doing this, why do I have to take so many people through the big book? Because people were saying, can you take them through the big book? And he goes, because you need it, Gary. I didn't understand it, right? And by taking people through the book over and over again, I got to understand it. I got to, I got to go, oh, 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 right. I know that what that's for now, right? Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain. He is under no obligation to you that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Mm. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. If an alcoholic comes in, you've got the steps, you know how to do them, you're, you're travelling okay, 
then you must help them. Show them this simple program. Now, here's a great piece of information on page 95. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. As soon as you do, it's over. I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll do this, right? They'll go, click, and then they'll just nod. They'll nod when it's necessary to nod. Yeah. <laughs> and they won't listen to a word you're saying because alcoholics do not like to be pushed around. We do not like to be bullied. We do not like that. And that is not going to help anybody. It says simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. So we lay, and here are the tools. We've already been through the tools. We just lay them out, right, and let the alcoholic pick them up and do what they've got to do. Okay. If he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be pushed or prodded by, he, by you, his wife or friends. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. Okay, page 96. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with earnestness what you have to offer, what, what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. One of our fellowship failed entirely with his first half dozen prospects. He often says that if he had continued to work on them, he might have deprived any, many other who have since recovered of their chance, recovered again. Now, that was Bill Wilson. So Bill Wilson, when he first got sober, he worked with alcoholics for six months and he went to Lois, his wife, and he said, Lois, I haven't got any of them sober. And, he, and Lois said, yes, but you're sober, Bill. Right? So working with others can be what keeps us sober. Right? Because it keeps refreshing the Alcoholics Anonymous program for us. Okay, down the bottom of this page, and it says about the broke homeless, blah, blah, blah. But you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have. Perhaps you will want to take the man into your home for a few days. But be sure you are, before you, correction, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections or shelter. Permit that and you only harm him. You'll be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding him in his destruction rather than his recovery. Down, the, down to the next chapter, it says, We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for long at a time. It is not good for him and it sometimes creates serious complications in a family. Right down the bottom. The type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. 
The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. And if we go down into the next chapter, I mean into the next the paragraph, some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. All right? Now, it's very important I would underline this. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. Remembering clean house was doing our fourth step, doing our fifth step, doing our sixth step, doing our seventh step, doing our eighth step, our ninth step. We now call that ten and eleven. All right? The first three steps, the only step that we can do 100% is the first step. All the rest is practice. It's just practice, practice, practice. Repetition is the mother of wisdom. We practice the program. Right? And we help each other with the practice. Everybody helps each other. Okay? Alright, now down the bottom it says argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. Alright, the next page, page 99. Let no alcoholic say, and it's right down the bottom, let no alcoholic say he cannot recover unless he has the family back. This just isn't so. In some cases the wife will never come back for one reason or another, remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people. It is dependent upon his relationship with God. So it says it over and over again. It's the relationship with our higher power. And the steps are to give you that relationship. They are to get away from the ego to be able to go centre back to God. Centre back to God. Because the ego will disconnect us. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about all of us. The first word in the first step is we. Right? This is not me. This is we. We're all in this together. Right? And the first step in the first tradition is ours. They're both. That's all of us. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. We can't be united if we're not doing what it says to do and showing others what it says to do. That's not united. That's divided. How do you conquer? Have anyone read War and Peace or any of those war books? The first thing is, is to tell lies, right? That's the first casualty of any war is the truth. And the second thing is to, is to disconnect, is to make two out of one. Mate, just keep separating. Keep separating. If we're not connected in, as one, then we can be separated into two, into four, into six. Six different ways to do the program now. Holy shit, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Okay? Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. So he's talking, if you want to write over here, he's talking about sponsorship now. This is the first time he actually mentions this, right? Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. Not just the new person, both of us. I have to, I have to set the example that I'm doing it to, and he has to set the example he's doing it to. Because then the next new bloke walks in, he sees us both doing it. 
And he goes, I want to do that too. And then we help him and he, in turn, he helps someone else and so on and so on and so on. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When you look back, we realise that the things which come to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of the higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances are. When working, and this that's a promise. These are promises. When working with a man and his family, you should take care not to participate in their quarrels. Go down a little bit more. If you have been successful in solving your own domestic problems, if you have been successful in, in solving your own domestic problems, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. If not, don't say anything. <laughs> 101. It says halfway down, we meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. His only chance for sobriety would be some place like the Greenland ice caps, and even there an Eskimo might turn up with a bottle of scotch and ruin everything. Ask any woman who has sent her husband to a distant place on the theory he would escape the alcohol problem. In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. That includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even plain, ordinary whoopee parties. <laughs> to a person who has had experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it, it, but it isn't. Mm. You will note that we made an important qualification, therefore... Ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social business or personal reason for going to this place? Or am I expecting to steal a little vigorous pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? If you answer these questions satisfactorily, you will ha you have been... You you need, you better read for a bit, mate. If you answer these questions satisfactorily, you need to have no apprehension. Go or stay away, whichever seems best. But be sure you are on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going, is th in going is thoroughly good. Do not think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring to it. If you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. Why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking, sighing about the good old days? If it is a happy occasion, try to increase the pleasure of those there. If a business occasion, go and attend to your business enthusiastically. If you are with a person who wants to eat in a bar, by all means, go along. Let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. At a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, few people will ask you to drink. While you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you are getting back into the social life of this world. 
Don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives and God will keep you unharmed. Right, that's a promise. Okay, so you can. So what he's saying is if you're going to help someone, doesn't matter where you go, you're going to be okay. But what happens with us as alcoholics, oh, I can't go there, it's a bit frightening. Right? Grab a mate, go there, you're going to be covered. You're going to be sweet. Yeah. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. But some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. So there he's saying it again. This is your experience, your experience. If you want to serve liquor to people, do it. If you don't want to, don't. Don't complicate it. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not, e- we would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Someday, we hope, that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realisation of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. We shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Undermine bitterness and hostility. If you have that, you are little. You are no good, no use to the alcoholic that walks in the door. Remember, we're talking about the 12th step here. So having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, you don't get to have a result until you do the steps. The result is by doing the steps. Then you carry that message. That's the message we carry. In here, the message has to have weight. Remember we've talked about it over and over again. This is Alcoholics Anonymous. We have to show people how to recover. It's not fair that a newcomer walks in the door and six months later doesn't have a sponsor, doesn't know how to do the steps, hasn't got a home group, hasn't got a group of people to talk to, but that's not that's not Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know what that is. That's not Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay? So please don't get mixed up and say that's Alcoholics Anonymous. It's not Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is the new bloke walks in the door or the new girl walks in the door and, and five or six people talk to that person and say, how can we help you? Are you an alcoholic? And then we start to show them by the information that tells us here, we talk to them like that and they go, I'm like that. Oh, well, you might have to start doing the steps. But I'm only day one, and they told me not to worry about the steps. Day one's a perfect start, mate. Let's start doing the steps today. Let's read the forwards. Bang. Here's a big book. Cost you 25 bucks, you might save his life. After all, this is, this is very important information. After all, our problems were of our own making. He's told us that over and over again. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything we have to. 
So every time I fight, I'm connected to what? The ego. I'm fighting again. So the ego's winning. It's got me again. So that's the working parts. And obviously, with your sponsor, you go through the wives, the employer, and a vision for you. Right? And what I'm going to do is just going to close on a vision for you. And then we're going to um, ask a few questions. One of my mates gave me this. Hey. When he did his, he did his fifth step and had a spiritual awakening, he's a surfer. Now, didn't you see it? Too quick? It's in my book, Surfer. One of my mates. Spiritual awakening. I don't miss this, I tell you. All right, let's go to page... 64. Alright? And we're just going to read what they read a lot of. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realise we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously... Yeah, 164. Did I miss the one? Sorry, guys. I, might, I sometimes get ahead of myself. You haven't noticed, have you? <laughs> a second at a time, sometimes. Okay, we'll start again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realise we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you till then.